Loading profile. Age, 20 something. System processing. Tales of a 20 something podcast now activated. I didn't know that NASCAR drivers didn't need a license. Nope. Especially, and this is very convenient when it comes to short track racing. I actually just talked to a driver and my future roommate, actually. She she didn't have a driver's license, and she was still eligible to race uh, with NASCAR at uh, the lower series. Why is that? I can't answer officially why, but I think one of the major thing is with NASCAR, you are in a closed facility with their own rules. And as long as you can just start the car, manually drive the car, and you're able to not crash into anybody, you can race. My name is Michael Carey. I am 23 years old, and I am pursuing a career in NASCAR broadcasting. You're officially going to be working for NASCAR. Uh, Ah, about about that. What happened? So so today's my last day at KYW. Right. I got a text last night at 630, but I didn't read it until 1 o'clock this morning. Okay. Fox laid off all of the runners. So I got that this morning at one o'clock. So I was anticipating working next weekend and the following weekend. But because they need a very skeleton staff, they laid off all the runners. So you're not going to Charlotte? No, I'm going. But right now I'm pretty much in damage control trying to find a gig that I can pick up real quickly. And I'm working with a couple people down there already to get a deal done. Uh, but it might be freelance for a little bit. Uh, it might be you know, maybe no work for a month and then something pops up. You know, it really depends on how NASCAR does, you know, with these two weeks that are coming up. They're going to be crucial to the future of the sport as far as this year goes. But no, I'll be going I'll be going down there. It's just probably not going to be as soon as I thought, which is which hurts a little bit just because of the fact that today was my last day of my part time job. And then I got that text this morning. It's been a whirlwind day. For sure. I am going to be moving to Charlotte eventually. Uh, You know, a couple obstacles to still get over. But the goal right now would be to get down there by the end of May and start looking for opportunities in the world of uh, NASCAR broadcasting. Uh, I was working on a couple deals before COVID happened. We're we're still trying to finalize some details in terms of what's coming next. But I fully anticipate moving down there by the end of May and just starting to get used to you know, that sweet, sweet North Carolina air. I feel like NASCAR doesn't get a lot of, I don't want to say recognition. I just feel like they're their own private entity that could make equally as much as other types of sports. But it's not the it's not the sport that you hear people bickering about in the bar. NASCAR is top two, the biggest spectator sport in the country. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's in between the NFL and NASCAR. Some polls say NASCAR, some polls say the NFL. NASCAR is also kind of a very, I wouldn't call it a very specific group of people, but when people hear NASCAR, the first thing they think of is, oh, you're just driving in circles for four hours. You know, what's so fun about that? In football, you know, you're hitting each other, you know. So there's a lot more, um, I guess, celebration and more recognition for the NFL and other sports because – it doesn't have that stereotype of being a redneck hick sport and it's boring because all you're doing is driving in circles, but there's fans who show up. If the race is on Sunday, they'll show up on Wednesday and Thursday with their RVs and they'll camp out the entire weekend 
and they're right next to the racetrack. So your alarm clock in the morning is 800 horsepower flying by your window. That's the part about NASCAR that a lot of people don't understand is if you just go to a race and you tailgate it and you do it right, you will come back the next year because it's so much fun. You know, when I worked in Pocono this past year, there were fans that were drinking beer and growing steak at 7.30 in the morning. A gigantic country concert tailgate, but for five straight days. There are people out there who don't always know what they want to do with their lives. But in your case, you kind of always knew that you wanted to work for NASCAR or just be in that atmosphere. So really for me, I wanted to be a driver at first, as you know, most kids who fall in love with racing want to be a driver. And so that was my goal in the beginning. But living in Philadelphia, there's no there's not a lot of racetracks nearby. I mean, yes, Pennsylvania is one of the most densely populated short track states in the country, but they're not anywhere near the city. Basically, as time went on, I started realizing, you know, this isn't going to happen. So once I became a eighth grader, I was the president of student government. And one of the responsibilities was to do the morning announcements. And so eventually, I guess I guess something just clicked one day. And I thought, wait a minute, what if I could find a job where I can talk about racing and still be involved with the sport. As time went on, I still followed the sport religiously. And then eventually when I got to college, I started working in the sport as a runner, like a glorified assistant for the talent, for the network. Now we're getting closer to that goal of being a, you know, a NASCAR reporter or a NASCAR broadcaster. How are you able to get your foot in the door? Because I feel like getting into NASCAR is like trying to get into Disney or NBC. It's just, it's a name. So NASCAR, it's a very tight, it's a very tight bubble to get into. You really have to know somebody. And luckily, uh, when I was in, when I was a freshman, uh, one of the first classes I took was journalism uh, with George Miller. And he's good friends with a guy named Mark Zumoff, who is the 76ers play-by-play. After he came in to talk to our class one day, I emailed him personally. And I said, hey, you know, my name is so-and-so. Uh, here's what I want to do with my life. Can we stay in touch? Give me some advice. And that's how it started. So eventually we sat down one day and he said, what do you want to do? And I told him, I said, I want to be around the wild race cars. I want to be where the rubber's burning. I want to be where I could smell gasoline. No, I want to be in the center of the action. So what happened was he recommended, you know, let's get you involved with a network at the time. And he got in contact with somebody over at Fox Sports uh, and the Eagles. And I was a runner for the Eagles Redskins game in 2016. And so basically they gave me a credential and I was able to walk around the Lincoln Financial Field. So when the day was done, I had met a gentleman named Artie Kempner, who is the director at, at the time of NFL on Fox. And he also worked on NASCAR on Fox. So it's not uncommon in the world of television production to work in multiple sports. So he helped out in the NFL side and the NASCAR side. And so we basically talked and I told him the same thing. I said, you know, I want to be involved in racing. How do I do it? And he said, you know, well, let's get you involved in a, in a NASCAR race. I said, absolutely. So we emailed back and forth for about a year. He hooked me up with Fox. He got me in contact with someone. And eventually, you know, I went to Dover in 2018 and then I got Pocono. After that, when NBC took over, uh, I started doing uh, Richmond. I went back to Dover. All of that culminated just by networking and talking to Artie. And he was, Mark was really the one that helped kick everything off, but Artie's the one who put it in gear. 
What was it like that first race that you got to be a part of? Well, for me, I had been to Dover as a race fan multiple times. I always sat all the way up in turn two. So it was definitely an interesting dynamic to go from a fan in the stands to working the race. And at the time, I was assigned as the booth runner. So basically, I was the assistant in the booth. And my childhood hero growing up was Jeff Gordon. When I got assigned the booth, I put two and two together and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to work with Jeff Gordon for a weekend. And I did. And I'll never forget the first time he walked in, I froze up, but it was intentional because you can't, when you have access to high profile people like Jeff Gordon, who's an athlete that's recognized around the world, you have to really, you can't let that fandom kind of show. And this is coming from somebody who had Jeff Gordon decals on his wall as a kid. Uh, I had Jeff Gordon pillows. Uh, I had Jeff Gordon toy car, like everything Jeff Gordon in my room. I didn't talk to him at first. I waited until he talked to me. So he spoke to me and he said, so what's your story? And he actually thought, because I, I have a baby face, he thought when I told him I was a junior, he thought I was a junior in high school, not a junior oh in college. Being able to work in that booth, I got to see it. I got to feel it. I got to hear it. And working right behind Mike Joy, Daryl Waltrip, and Jeff Gordon, I mean, that's that's seven NASCAR championships sitting in that booth and over 100 race wins. And Mike Joy is one of the most recognizable motorsports broadcasters in history. And he was someone who was an inspiration for me growing up. So it was surreal to be able to just stand behind them. You know, I, I had to like take Jeff's jacket off him and hang it up and I had to get him snacks and, you know, just little stuff like that. It humbles you, first of all, but it's, it's also kind of surreal when you get to talk to him. And me and Jeff, we actually talked for a solid 10 minutes, just me and him, just about the sport, you know, what was going on at the time. I asked him a couple of questions about Hendrick Motorsports and, you know, he was nice enough to give me that response back. And even when I met him back up a year later, uh, he still knew who I was. Did he ever figure out that you were in college and not high school? Well, eventually I told him when I told him I was 21 and I was in uh, college, he actually, he, he kind of grabbed my arm and he took me over to Daryl Waltrip and Jeff said, Daryl, try to guess how old this kid is. And this is Daryl Waltrip. You know, he's a NASCAR legend. And he, he looked at me and he said, uh, he said, well, it was about 18. And I said, uh, no, Daryl, I'm actually 21. And he said, you know, you've got to be shitting me. And then Mike Joy overheard what was going on. And then, you know, he kind of told me, he was like, you know, I was the same way uh, when I was your age. You know, I was, I was on the smaller side. I looked very young. You get the typical, you know, oh, you'll appreciate it, you know, when you're 40. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of a funny, you know, aha moment to kind of, you know, get the career started with them. And I remember you were doing a lot of traveling, which it sounded like you had a lot of fun that you didn't mind it because you were doing it for something that you loved. What was life on the road like? Life on the road, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love traveling. I can't sit in one place for a long time. So when I have the ability to travel or go to a race and I have nothing to do, I'm going to take that opportunity. I've driven off to 10 hours to go work a race before, and I don't mind it at all. You know, I get to, I love having that time to myself. Uh, there's a lot of eating out when you're on the road, a lot of trips to McDonald's, uh, a lot of trips to, you know, like Applebee's for dinner and things like that. When I, when you have a good crew to work with, Everybody on the Fox and the NBC side, they're, they're great people. I mean, we all talk about sports. We talk about racing. We talk about stuff that is completely unrelated to sports and racing. And it's a family too. You know, when you're on the road and I'm not on the road all year, but a lot of these people that I work with, they're on the road for 36 races out of the year for 36 weeks. 
So having that ability to have that kind of family connection and we, and we'll go out at night, you know, we'll go to a bar or, you know, we'll all go bowling or something, you know, when the races are done just to kind of, you know, do something different because it, it's all work, but you got to play some time too. When you went to Charlotte, you were there for a couple of months and you, you took a semester off. I was supposed to. And then when January rolled around, I emailed someone over at Temple about just clarifying information. And I was told, and this is probably two days before the deadline to uh, enroll in classes. I was told that if I skip a semester, I lose my dad's semester benefit. My dad works at Temple, so I got free tuition. Had I broken that consecutive semester streak, I would have lost that benefit. And I would have had to actually merge to the current journalism standard in terms of the curriculum. So when I got there in 2014, I had a very set curriculum and a set of rules for to graduate. So had I skipped that semester, I would have to adapt to the 2018-2019 curriculum, which was vastly different. I enrolled in some uh, critical thinking online class. I had a professor who was very understanding. So I took a semester online instead. I just took a three credit, you know, semester course and just to keep that streak going, you know, with the free tuition and to keep the curriculum. It was well worth it, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. It was totally worth it because the experience I got from those four months, both personally and professionally, is something I can't trade for in the world. I was able to record my own host reel on the NASCAR Race Hub set with Fox Sports 1. So having that branding in the background, not many people can say, you know, they have a Fox Sports reel with a Fox Sports mic flag and the graphics and working side by side with the actual hosts of the show NASCAR Race Hub, which is kind of like NASCAR's, I guess you can call it their sports center type show where they go through the storylines of the storylines of the sport right now. You know, I, I had the whole I got I had makeup done on me. I had to get I got my hair styled a certain way. So I got I got treated like I was a host that day. And that's just an experience that you can't trade for. And even when you go by yourself to a whole new area you've never been to, all you have is money in your pocket and basically your confidence. And that's it. You have to adapt and you're going to struggle. But I really think being on your own, even if it's for a couple months, is something that absolutely everybody, I would say, in their early 20s should try to do because that teaches you so much about yourself and about your career, really, at a very young age. When you weren't at NASCAR, at the track, and you were back at the place that you were staying at while you were in Charlotte, you don't really know anybody. They all have their own lives when the night is over. How did that take a toll on you mentally? I would probably say it wasn't really honestly that bad. Uh, you know, obviously at the time, you know, I was going through, uh, I was going through a breakup at the time, you know, I was 500 miles away. So mentally was draining. And I'll, I'll even say this, Charlotte was the best thing to happen to me professionally, but personally it was a living hell sometimes because you're right. I didn't know anybody down there. I was staying at an Airbnb with people who I kind of sort of knew, but I didn't really associate with just because, you know, it's just different scenarios. There are plenty of times where I would go take a drive by myself. You know, I explored, you know, I drove to Myrtle Beach. Uh, I drove to Kannapolis. I drove to Race Shop. Just anything to kind of keep me going, basically, because, you know, when you're down there by yourself and moving to a whole new area, yeah, it's, it's lonely. Don't have your family with you. You don't have your friends with you. So you got to find stuff to kind of do on your own. And, you know, I impulsively bought some stuff just to like keep myself entertained. I ate out a lot, a lot of Bojangles chicken, which I don't regret at all. 
that's how it is. When you go by yourself to a whole new area, yeah, it's going to get lonely. But that is also like, you know, I went to the gym more just to kind of get myself going early in the morning. And I would go 530 in the morning, go work out for two hours, uh, eat breakfast, take a shower, go to work. Yeah, you know, you just got to find stuff to not get that loneliness to kind of eat at you. So when you came back from Charlotte, you have all of that experience under your belt. What was it like to get your foot back in the door because I remember you told me that once you're out it's hard to get back in this is where networking is a major 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 importance in the field of journalism and production and personally I think networking is so much more important than internships because anybody can say they got an internship somewhere but what did you do who did you talk to you know when you have big names in your pocket and when you have vital connections in your pocket that's going to get you so much farther so while I was home in Philadelphia, I was still contacting NASCAR all over the place. I was sending my written and production stuff to anchors and reporters. I was emailing people all the time. And the thing is, those connections, you know, I got to work when I got home in May. By July, I had the next race scheduled and I went to South Carolina in August and I flew down there for NASCAR's throwback weekend, which is where all the paint schemes on track are all recreations of paint schemes that have ran years before so this past year a lot of the teams ran paint schemes from like the 1990s so we got to see all these classic paint schemes you know if you ever saw days of thunder there was a car that ran a days of thunder paint scheme so networking will help get those opportunities and eventually when i got back i started working at kyw news radio in philadelphia i was balancing that uh more nascar travel i went to four more races three consecutive weeks uh, with nbc and then i went to miami for the championship and that's two different sleep schedules because at KYW, I was working overnights. So I would sleep from 6 p.m. to 12.50. When I'm on the road, I'm falling asleep at 5.30 in the afternoon during a night race because my schedule is just all over the place. Like I said, networking is just something that kept me going while I was here and kept my foot in the door at NASCAR. Had I not emailed anybody, had I not contacted anybody, uh, who knows even if I'd be going to Charlotte very soon right now. You were talking about driving for 10 hours. First of all, how did you go to the bathroom? How many pit stops did you make? Like, How I many pit stops? That's very fitting. Right. Um, the first time I went down to Charlotte, I drove down with my dad. He drove uh, the first four hours and then I took the last six. So we just, you know, we stopped off at McDonald's in Virginia. And then we stopped off at a travel stop in the middle of nowhere. And we went to the travel stop. I kid you not, I can buy a pack of Skittles and a nine millimeter handgun while I was there. Like we were in the South, but we left here about seven o'clock in the morning, February 2nd, it was snowing. We got down to Charlotte at 5.30. And then that night, you know, we went food shopping at the local supermarket. And by nine o'clock I was in bed. I just always enjoyed that, you know, being able just to get up and go. I'm a very spontaneous person when it comes to doing stuff, you know, like I'll text my friend and be like, yo, let's go to the shore in an hour. I was the same way with Charlotte. You know, I would be sitting in my bed one day and I'm like, you know what? I want to go to see Myrtle beach. And in two, and in 10 minutes I'm driving on the road to Myrtle beach. You got to have that spontaneous kick in you because it keeps you curious in terms of your surroundings. And it kind of keeps your mind fresh. When you finally got to the tracks and you're in a position where you're in the middle of the action, was it everything that you dreamed of? It was. And one of the major moments that I kind of sat back and realized, you know, holy crap, this is real, 
was when I was in Miami for the championship race weekend uh, this past November. First of all, that's a race that everybody tries to get on on the NBC side. Everybody wants Miami because, you know, it's warm weather. Uh, they have an end of the year party, you know, things like that. So I had just told them in when I was done in Dover, Dover was my last race. And that was October. I said, look, you know, I said my goodbyes for the year. And I said, look, if you guys need any help the rest of the season, just give me three weeks notice and I'll make it happen. <laughs> Funny enough, I was actually at KYW giving a talk to high school students. And I got a phone call from my boss on the road. And he said, hey, you know, we need help in Miami. Are you available to do it? There's a video of me on Facebook actually crying after I got the call. It was like tears of joy because that was like Miami was always a racetrack I wanted to go to. But even the fact that it was the championship weekend was even better. So I got to go. I flew down to Miami. You know, I stayed in a nice hotel and I was able to, I went to the end of the year party. I got to mingle with some drivers. And so that whole weekend was starstruck because I saw the trophies. You know, I saw the spectacle. I mean, I've never experienced something like championship day. And the biggest thing was that day. Actually, let me go back. So on Saturday, NASCAR runs three series. They have the truck series, the Xfinity series, and the cup series. So basically like the truck and Xfinity series are minor leagues. Cup series is the major league. That Saturday was the Xfinity championship. And two of my friends were put on trophy detail. Basically they take the trophy wherever it has to go. They coordinate with NBC you know, for camera shots and all that. So I was a little bit jealous on Saturday because I'm like, wow, that's the that's the championship trophy for the Xfinity Series. And they get to touch it. They get to move it, you know, all that. So the next day, I got pulled aside and they told me, they said, you and Parker, my friend, you guys have trophy detail today. And I kind of sat there and I was like, like I twitched. I was like, what? And I, I got goosebumps and it, it was like 80 degrees out and I started shivering. We went down to the driver's meeting and they have, the, like, they roll out the red carpet for it. They have celebrities that come out for this. I mean, it's a monstrous race for NASCAR in terms of popularity, ratings, everything. We go into the driver's meeting, and uh, Ray Lewis was there, which was interesting. <laughs> but at that time, you know, you, you got to be very professional. You know, you can't freak out or anything. I wasn't freaking out. My friend Parker was. But we met up with NASCAR, a couple representatives from NASCAR. And I saw the trophy, and I, I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, goosebumps now. I saw it and I just froze up. I was like, oh my God, that's the real trophy. That's not the decoy that we have. Because NBC has a, has a decoy trophy for, uh, you know, for shoots or whatever. We go into driver's meeting and we're told you have to get this to pit road in eight minutes. Because NBC wants to use it for a camera shot in the very beginning. So me and my friend, we took the trophy. This thing was like 70 pounds, by the way. And it is huge. It's probably, I'm five foot six. If I put this trophy on the ground, it probably goes above my waist. We put it in the box. We put it in its container. We had kind of an escort to pit road. And so we get it there and pit roads actually sealed off. You know, they seal off the fans from the cars. You cannot get past the barrier. So we were allowed to be past it. So we move it to pit road and I took it out of the case. And I'll never forget. I took the black cover off, the black velvet cover, and I saw my reflection in the trophy. And all of a sudden, five-year-old me just came out like screaming. Like he, 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 he was like, he was so thrilled. So basically, I had to stand there for about an hour and guard the trophy. I had to just stand there, make sure no one touched it. I had to polish it. I had to clean it, you know, all that. 
and I took I took pictures of my own of the trophy and me with it. But that was really a moment where when I took that picture, I thought to myself, I could just die happy today. You know, the fact that I got to touch that trophy and, you know, that trophy, you know, is going to go in a trophy case at some race shop. And I'm going to think, you know what? I polished that. I touched that. So what's next? You've gone to Charlotte. You got your foot back in the door. You graduated college. Now you want to make it official. What's next? So for me, what's next is I'm going to be moving to Charlotte uh, in the next couple of weeks. And the goal right now, you know, I went to school for journalism. So now it's time to talk about racing. So I established my own podcast, which talks to members of the NASCAR media industry, just about talking about their road into NASCAR. And it's a good networking opportunity, too, because I get to talk to reporters and people in the business, learn more about them, and people get to learn more about them. So at this point, I just need to get in front of a camera or behind a microphone and just talk about racing because you need to show what you know. I've been in talks with a couple of different outlets already down in Charlotte, uh, some of them on the local short track scene, some of them, you know, writing about racing. Uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, you know, stuff's been put on hold. But, you know, as soon as a lot of this is kind of uh, when things kind of get back to a somewhat normal reality, uh, I'll talk. I'll start up talks again with those outlets. But just get on camera, write about NASCAR, talk about it uh, and more networking, because, like I said, networking is probably going to be the number one thing that's going to get me much farther than I thought. And I have a decent, strong network now, but your network can never be too big. Do you have a little countdown clock over your bed? counting down the days i don't because the damn countdown clock keeps changing but in my head you know i, I have a couple of dates that were already kind of targets uh i don't know if those dates are going to change now or not those are all things that are still up in the air but right now the goal would be end of may you know i want to get down there at least by the time nascar gets back to charlotte which is the weekend of the 24th i always told my dad that that's gonna be a 10-hour drive that i've never been more excited to take it's gonna work out it's got to come on it, it just feels like, you know, um, it feels like I'm waiting for the light to turn green, pretty much. And it's taking too damn long. It's going to happen. It's just got to. Otherwise, it's just a cruel, sick joke. Don't joke like that. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Tales of a 20-something podcast. Follow me at Victoria's Secret for special updates and more. For more episodes, check out Tales of a 20-something on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Republic. Tune in next Thursday for another awesome guest on the podcast that is helping you rule the world one tale at a time.